Good morning and happy Sabbath. It's nice to be back up here in Wisconsin. I've always uh, enjoyed this uh, part of the country. And um, I'm working, uh, as she said, with Adventist World Aviation, uh, helping to make sure that uh, maintenance gets done and um, as airplanes get donated to take care of those, um, take care of any large projects. Uh, from time to time, we'll bring airplanes back up from the mission field to uh, give them a complete uh, overhaul, and I'll be uh, involved with doing that. Um, I did bring a bunch of newsletters. They are back there in the foyer on a table, and uh, anybody who wants one can have one. Uh, if that stack runs out, I have more. So uh, feel free to take one, and uh, you can read what we're doing. Um, I actually uh, wrote an article for this one, and uh, which is a new experience for me, is uh, I'm not really a writer, but uh, I, I get to write for this uh, newsletter every month, and so it's uh, definitely a learning experience for me. Um, before we open the, the Bible, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Dear and Father, as we open your word this morning, I ask that you would be here with us. Help us to gain a blessing. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start out by opening to uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. This kind of sets the stage for the parables that Jesus um, gave to his disciples afterwards. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, these shall not be, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So this is the setting. They have asked some questions. When shall these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? and at the end of the world. So they've asked three major questions here. And Jesus spends from there to the end of chapter 25 answering their questions. So let's go back to chapter 25. And I'm going to read through this parable again. And let's think about it in this setting. The disciples are sitting around Jesus. They've just asked him these three questions and he is now giving them the answer. And this is part of the answer. Uh, If you read in the book um, Desire of Ages, it says that Jesus, as he was sitting there, was actually watching this story unfold before his eyes uh, as there was a marriage uh, going on right there. And he used that as a parable or as an illustration of his kingdom. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. 
But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So we're going to go back through this a little bit more slowly and see what there is here. Anytime Jesus spoke, it was, it was definitely full of meaning, and there's much for us to learn. Back, go back to verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened or compared to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. There are two groups. The two classes of watchers represented, represent the two classes who profess to be waiting for the Lord. They are called virgins because they profess a pure faith. They believe in the soon coming of Christ. So you might represent that, or say that this represents uh, the whole Christian world and probably more specifically Adventists. For we all believe that Christ is coming soon, right? That is what our, uh, the Advent movement was based upon, the belief in the soon coming of Christ. If you go back to the name, Adventist, talking about the second coming. What do lamps represent in the Bible? Let's uh, turn to Psalms 119, verse 105 for that answer. I'm sure most of you already have this text memorized. Very common text. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So these two classes have the word of God. And the whole Christian world today has the Word of God, don't they? Or they have an opportunity to have the Word of God if they want it. And five of them were wise. Now, I looked up that word wise, and uh, of course it comes from the Greek. Uh, the number is uh, 5429 for anyone who wants to look it up. And it has some other meanings. Um, mindful of one's interests. So these... Five were mindful of their interests. They were wise, intelligent. They were prudent. Five were foolish. That comes from another Greek word, number uh, 3474. I don't even try to pronounce the Greek words because it'd be a miserable failure. Um, and that word foolish 
is also translated as impious or godless. So you have five who are mindful of their interests, and you have five who are impious or godless. And these are the two groups. Can't you see that in the Christian church today? You have two groups, only two. You have those who are mindful of their interests. They're doing everything in their power to know God, to know Jesus and the Creator, our Creator. And you have the other group, which is actually much larger, who give little thought to what's going on around them and to their eternal salvation. The ten virgins are watching in the evening of this earth's history. All claim to be Christians. All have a call, a name, a lamp, and profess to be doing God's service. All apparently wait for Christ's appearing, but five are unready. Five will be found surprised, dismayed, outside the banquet hall. Only two groups. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And this gives us some character traits that will be found in those who may be found or who will be found outside of the wall. Um, we're going to pay special attention to uh, verses uh, 4 and 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we living in perilous times? Absolutely. So what does that mean for us? We're in the last days, aren't we? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that word means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Are we seeing that text fulfilled before our eyes? And a more sobering question, do we see it in our lives? A question we must ask ourselves and ask God. The two classes represented by the foolish virgins are not hypocrites, They have a regard for the truth. They have advocated the truth. They are attracted to those who believe the truth. But they have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. To the Holy Spirit's working. They have not fallen upon the rock, Christ Jesus, and permitted their old nature to be broken up. This class are represented also by the stony ground hearers. They receive the word with readiness... But they fail of assimilating its principles. Its influence is not abiding. So its influence is not in their lives. Oil has long been a representation of the Holy Spirit. This is the the case here also. In the parable, 
all the ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom. All had lamps and vessels for oil. For a time there was seen no difference between them. So with the church that lives just before Christ's second coming. All have a knowledge of the scriptures. All have heard the message of Christ's near approach and confidently expected his appearing. But as in the parable, so it is now. A time of waiting intervenes. Faith is tried. And when the cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Many are unready. They have no oil in their vessels with their lamps. They are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, a knowledge of his word is of no avail. The theory of truth, unaccompanied by the Holy Spirit, cannot quicken the soul or sanctify the heart. One may be familiar with the commands and promises of the Bible, but unless the Spirit of God sets the truth home, the character will not be transformed. Without the enlightenment of the Spirit, men will not be able to distinguish truth from error, and they will fall under the masterful temptations of Satan. Wow, isn't that powerful? So they have the word of God, but they're destitute of the Holy Spirit. We as a church have the word of God. The whole Christian church has it, or has access to it, right here. But do they actually allow the Holy Spirit to work in them? That's the, as important as the Bible. Verse 4. But the wise took their oil and their vessels with their lamps. Five wise, two groups. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is coming from one of the, actually the greatest sermon ever preached by the uh, greatest educator the world has ever seen. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So if we hear Christ's words in the Bible and we do them, we are wise. Maybe not wise according to the world because he says the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God and vice versa. But we are wise in God's sight. And that's really who we want to be wise in the sight of, right? The wise represent those Christians today who understand, appreciate, and avail themselves of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's look a little bit about that ministry. We can find some information in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 and 8. Acts chapter 1 is the history of the early Christian church. Verses 5 and 8. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
And we know that uh, in one of Peter's sermons, he had 3,000 people converted in one day. That is really the Holy Spirit working. I can't wait to see that in our time. Can you? The lapse of time has wrought no change in Christ's parting promise to send the Holy Spirit as his representative. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of his grace do not flow earthward to men. If the fulfillment of the promise is not seen as it might be, it is because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. If all were willing, all would be filled with the Spirit. Wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of, there is seen spiritual drought, spiritual darkness, spiritual declension. Now that word declension, what does that mean? A leaning back or down, hence a falling or declining towards a worse state. A, descend, a tendency toward a less degree of excellence or perfection. So that's what declension means. So there'll be spiritual declension and death. Whenever minor matters occupy the attention, the divine power, which is necessary for the growth and prosperity of the church, and which would bring all other blessings in its train, is lacking, though offered in infinite plentitude. So the lack of the Holy Spirit is our fault. In the great and measureless gift of the Holy Spirit are contained all of heaven's resources. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of his grace do not flow earthward to men. If all were willing to receive, all would become filled with the Holy Spirit. In the parable of the wise virgins, uh, the wise virgins had oil in their vessels with their lamps. Their light burned with undimmed flame through the night of watching. It helped to swell the illumination for the bridegroom's honor. Shining out in the darkness, it helped to illuminate the way to the home of the bridegroom, to the marriage feast. So the followers of Christ are to shed light into the darkness of the world. Through the Holy Spirit, God's word is a light as it becomes a transforming power in the life of the receiver. By implanting in their hearts the principles of his word, the Holy Spirit develops in men the attributes of God. The light of his glory, his character is to shine forth in his followers. Thus they are to glorify God, to lighten the path to the bridegroom's home, to the city of God, and to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're told to go out and call those and to come in. But we can't effectively do it without the Holy Spirit working in our own lives. Which will only happen if we ask for it. Verse 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Um, they uh, yielded to sin. They became indifferent to their own salvation. In the prophecy of Jerusalem's destruction, Christ said, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This prophecy will again be fulfilled. The abounding iniquity of that day finds its counterpart in this generation. And as this came from Desire of Ages, which was written in the uh, 1800s, or very early 1900s, if she was saying how wicked it was back then, how much more so today? So with the prediction in regard to the preaching of the gospel, before the fall of Jerusalem, Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, declared that the gospel was preached to every creature which is under heaven. So now, before the coming of the Son of Man, the everlasting gospel is to be preached to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. Christ tells us when that day shall be ushered in. He does not say that all the world will be converted, but that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. By giving the gospel to the world, it is in our power to hasten the Lord's return. Do you want to help Christ come faster? All of us can help with that. We are not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of the day of God, according to 2 Peter 3.12. Had the church of Christ done her appointed work as the Lord ordained, the whole world would before this have been warned, and the Lord Jesus would have come to our earth in power and great glory. Wow. We have a work, don't we? And at midnight, verse 6, was the cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Midnight. Middle of the night. The darkest part of the night. The darkest point in this earth's history. For we're told in great controversy, it is at midnight that God chooses to rescue his people. And I don't think that's in reference to the time of day. I think that's in reference to the wickedness going on around us. At midnight, in an hour, quite unthought of. How many of you expect somebody coming to your house at midnight? Not many. The coming of the bridegroom was at midnight, the darkest hour. So the coming of Christ will take place in the darkest period of this earth's history. The days of Noah and Lot pictured the condition of the world just before the coming of the Son of Man. And what does it say about the days of Lot or of Noah? Every imagination of man's thoughts was only evil continually. And what do we see happening today around us? If you look in the news, it jumps out at you. The scriptures point forward to this time, pointing forward to this time, declare that Satan will work with all power and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. His working is plainly revealed by the rapidly increasing darkness, the multitudinous errors, heresies, and delusions of these last days. Not only is Satan leading the world captive, but his deceptions are, leaving, are leavening the professed churches of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the great apostasy will develop into darkness deep as midnight, impenetrable as sackcloth of hair. To God's people will be a night of trial, a night of weeping, a night of persecution for the truth's sake. But out of that night of darkness, God's light will shine in each person that is filled with his Holy Spirit. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. They put their lamps in order. Um, I spent five years in Central America. And when I went down there, uh, my parents were uh, in charge of a mission. Um, We had no electricity or running water. And so our major source of light in the evening was a kerosene lamp. How many of you have ever lived or camped where all your light was a kerosene lamp? Okay, a few of you. Uh, what happens when it runs out of oil? You're in the dark. What happens if you allow that wick to burn after you run out of oil for a short time? Does If you put oil back in there, will that light... Will that lamp put off as much light as it did before? No. You've got to trim the wick. And you can't just be careless of how you trim it. Um, having lived or living down there for five years as a uh, young teenager, I got curious about those things. And so I tried trimming it all manner of different ways. And it was quite interesting how it uh, turned out. No matter which way I trimmed it, though, the end result was uh, after it burned for a little bit, It was all straight across. Um, So these these virgins here, they had their lamps. They'd gone out. They'd run out of oil. Their wicks had been, uh, or part of their wick had been ruined or damaged. And so they had to do something. They trimmed them. They put them in order. They arrange them properly. They examine themselves and prepared to meet their God. The very best credentials we can carry is love for one another. All strife, all dissension is to cease. God will not accept the talents of the smartest, the most eloquent man, if the inner lamp of the soul is not trimmed and burning. There must be a consecrated heart and consecrated surrender of the soul. Verse 8. And the foolish said unto unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. They were destitute of the divine influence. Give us of your oil. Our lamps have gone out. Our faith is dead. What a time to discover this. Who can help thee at such a season? If we wait until we see Christ coming in the clouds, it's too late. This is the class that in a time of peril are found crying peace and safety. They lull their hearts into security and dream not of danger. When startled from their lethargy, they, de- uh, they discern their destitution and entreat others to supply their lack 
But in spiritual things, no man can make up another's deficiency. The grace of God has been freely offered to every soul. The message of the gospel has been heralded. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. But character is not transferable. No man can believe for another. No man can receive the spirit for another. No man can impart to another the character which is the fruit of the Spirit's working. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in the land, as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So the pastor can't believe for us. The head elder can't believe for us. Their righteousness won't cover us. It must be our connection with Christ. That's the important part. Verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. To have given the foolish virgins sufficient oil for the occasion would have left the wise without any. The latter were not selfish. Character is not transferable. One Christian cannot do for another that which he must do for himself in preparation for the crisis that lies ahead. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. Who is it that sells? Let's look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me, this me is Jesus, gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. We need to go to Jesus, go to him on our knees, and ask him to give us the pure robes, which is the righteousness of the saints, and that eye salve that we can see spiritual things. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, those that had prepared, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. All who wait for the heavenly bridegroom are represented in the parable of slumbering because their Lord delayed his coming. But the wise roused themselves at the message of his approach and responded to the message, and their spiritual discernment was not all gone. And they sprang into line. As they took hold of the grace of Christ, their religious experience became vigorous and abundant, and their affections were set upon things above. They they discerned where their... Where was their source of supply and appreciated the love of God that God had for them? They opened their hearts to receive the Holy Spirit by which the love of God was shed abroad in their hearts. 
Their lights were trimmed and burning and sent forth steady rays into the moral darkness of the world. They glorified God because they had the oil of grace in their hearts and did the very work that their master did before them. They went forth to seek and to save those who were lost. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 again. We're going to read verses uh, 21 through 27. But we can see here, he didn't say, because you were not a deacon, because you didn't give thousands of dollars, because uh, you didn't do all this list of stuff, you can't come in. He says, because I did not know you. Very important. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. As God shut the door on Noah's ark, and thus probation was over for the inhabitants of the world, so probation will be over for this world one day. And I believe that will be very soon. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. Very solemn verse here. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. There's a sequel to that. It's found in Revelation chapter 22, verse 11. 
Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. The saddest words that ever fell or that ever will fall on mortal ears are those words of doom. I know you not. The fellowship of the Spirit, which you have slighted, could alone make you one with the joyous throng at the marriage feast. In that scene, you cannot participate. Its light would fall on blinded eyes. Its melody upon deaf ears. Its love and joy could awake no chord of gladness in the world-benumbed heart. You are shut out from heaven by your own unfitness for its companionship. And then Christ's admonition to us. Watch. Give strict attention to. Watch, therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We're told in Revelation 16, verse 15, to watch. We're told in Matthew uh, 24, verses 42 and 44, to watch and be ready. You know, we look at uh, the world around us and our own lives, and we may have a tendency to think we're young. We have our whole life ahead, life ahead of us. But um, as I saw years ago when I used to work on an ambulance service, sometimes life is over that quick. You never know. I've seen people that they didn't know five seconds beforehand they were going to be dead in five seconds. But Christ is coming back. And if we're not ready for him, it will be our own fault. He's doing everything he can to help us to be ready. So let's do everything in our power to get to know him and to help others to get to know him too. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for this lovely Sabbath day. And I just ask you to be with each one of us here and help us to be ready and waiting for you when you come in the clouds of heaven. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.